welcome to the Destiny Podcast. We hope this message blesses you. Well, okay, I better talk to you, I guess. <clears throat> um, you know what I, I talked about last time, how kind of it was okay to fail. So I'm going to continue a little bit on that theme. I was I was kind of awake in the night, just trying to think, what should I teach you on? What should I teach you on? I've got one or two things I can teach on theologically. Um, and I think maybe I'll reserve one of those for next week. Have you had any teaching on the two trees in the garden? Tree of the knowledge of good and evil and the tree of life. I, I talked to I talked to you a little bit about it at our house, didn't I? I think uh, I'm an old guy and I can remember better than you. But anyway, but I did we did talk a little bit about it on New Creation Week, didn't I? But I th- I think it's such a really important topic and I I kind of I want to cover that. But today I'm gonna con- I'm gonna continue with the theme of how to be a bad Christian and get away with it. Yeah. If that's all right. Um, I think I think that's my role in life. Teaching people that it's okay to mess up. Because <laughs> I've done quite a lot of it. <laughs> in my life so um, I'll try and teach with this Scottish short burn in my mouth so the title of this talk is called A Messy Son yeah and uh, as always with most of my teaching I kind of root it in actually what really happened to me I don't really want to teach about anything that doesn't that hasn't really impacted me, you know, hasn't really touched me because, you know, we can talk, teach about a lot of things and, you, you know, you can go to lots of Bible schools and get lots of great teaching. But I, I truly believe that, you know, you catch the kingdom like you catch a cold. Uh, you can't really learn it I don't think so. You can learn it in learn it in your head, but a disease like a cold it kind of gets every part of you, doesn't it? And it changes the way you feel. It changes the way you behave. It changes everything. Well, it does for most people. If you're a man, <laughs> sorry, erase it from the tape. Sexist comment. So anyway, that's kind of why I'm I'm just talking to you guys about things that have really affected my life. So it just sounds like my life story, but I'm going to relate it to something. I I think I'll I'll include a bit of the Bible to make it sound like a holy talk, a, a proper talk. Um, so yeah, I remember when uh, I had a bit of a, a meltdown. You know what I mean by meltdown? bit of a crisis, psychological crisis, oh, many years ago, when my son, <clears throat> Andrew, was, I think he's 12 or 14, something like that, and it's going to sound crazy to you, but it, it's just all to do with his socks, I mean, you, you're relatively young guys, so you know what it's like having parents going crazy because you leave your socks everywhere. Yeah. So you know what that's like. Well, Andrew was the worst sock lever on floor person in the whole universe. Well, it seemed like that to me anyway. Uh, And I just, I clearly remember walking into the bedroom one day and I couldn't walk anywhere on the carpet. I couldn't walk actually on the carpet. There was 
it was impossible, physically impossible, to walk on the carpet. And most of it was old socks, two, three weeks old, not washed. And, and uh, I remember nearly having a nervous breakdown. And all sorts of thoughts started whizzing through my head. You know, like how many times have I told him to clean his socks up? Does he ever do what I ask him to do? Never. Uh, in fact, does he show me any affection at all? I thought very little at the time. Um, I kind of suddenly everything just crashed in on me at the same time. Like I get taken for granted. I'm only here to earn the money. I may as if I was just a machine with money coming out of the front. That would be just as good as me. So I even thought about even it sounds crazy, just over a pair of socks. I even thought about killing myself. But you can imagine it wasn't just this. There's a lot of things, and it was all to do with what was going on in my heart. You know, I kind of felt used, I felt taken for granted, I felt like totally not appreciated. Uh, and the question was, why am I here? And also, you, you, you also need to know that one of my problems, inverted commas problems, is I've got this little thing about tidiness. I kind of have to be tidy. Everything's got to be, you know, everything's got to be, everything's just got to be right, in the right place. And if things were not right, you know, I, I felt very uncomfortable. And I, I would spend a lot of my life just, you know, if I go into a room, ah, oh, oh, no. That's not right. So as a, a little bit uh, OCD, you know, have you heard of OCD? Obsessive compulsive disorder. It, you, you understand it though, don't you? Where some people, they've got to, you know, got, they've got to eat the peas. They've got to keep the peas on their plate separate from the carrots. And they have to eat the peas first before they eat the carrots. Otherwise, they can't eat and, and there, there are really people like this uh, or people who have to go out of the house five times locking the door unlocking it, go out ah, no, did I lock the door? no, come back in, unlock it, lock it and have to do it five times uh, before they feel comfortable because they know they've done it right and there are lots of and, and it's a disease you know uh, um uh, as a doctor, I've I've seen a lot of people with OCD, but anyway, I wasn't really like that. I'm just being a bit jokey about it. But there was a little bit of my character just had to get things absolutely perfect. And so, having a son who was come so totally mess, it kind of was my worst nightmare. <laughs> and and so that. It triggered off and, and it wouldn't go away. I, I couldn't get rid of him. You know, I couldn't shoot him or anything like that. I, I kind of wasn't allowed. <laughs> so, <laughs> this is not going to go away. So, maybe the solution is for me to go away. <laughs> and I kind of was wanting to run away from the problems just because life was just too messy. So anyway, that's, uh, that's, that was the event. And uh, it kind of hit me as a real shock, you know. How can I respond to a simple thing like my son leaving his socks on the floor and suddenly I want to commit suicide. I want to run away. I want to leave home. I, want, I kind of wanted to hurt people. You know, I wanted to hit him or... I wanted to do something to even hurt my wife. She doesn't understand how, how difficult this is for me. So why doesn't she do something to help? Why doesn't she make him tidy up? Uh, things like, doesn't she understand that her failure to 
sort him out as leaving me in this real mess and also so I finished blaming people him my wife oh it just went on and on and on that's the event and the question is what has that got to do with God (laughs) well I kind of I'm going to have to go back a long 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 way to put it into context and the context is kind of my family life uh, we were really an extremely poor family have you seen the Monty Python sketch where the guy, the poor guys uh, are talking about they're, they're having a, a competition to, to brag who could be the poorest and <laughs> I just remember the, the only line I remember was oh hole in the ground I used to dream of a hole in the ground you know the guy was saying we used to live in a small oh I used to live in a dog kennel dog kennel oh fantastic we used to live in a hole in the ground hole in the ground I used to dream of a hole in the ground you know it was that it was crazy just stupid idiotic human but anyway Monty Python's flying circus you have to look at some of those you have to look them up on YouTube if you've never seen it it's absolutely insane anyway but it really was like that. <laughs> we were really were that poor. Uh, uh, oh, here's a bit of history as well. This is kind of culturally relevant, I suppose. Well, it's not anymore, maybe, but maybe it is. My father was Polish. Don't know if you know that. Yeah, I've told you a bit about the history. Yeah, he he lived in Silesia. So at the beginning of the war, I think he was 14, 15. He's a young man at the beginning of the war. And the, when the Germans invaded Poland, the, the, what they did right at the beginning is they kind of invaded southern Poland, Silesia, and uh, they had what's called press gangs. You hear press gangs? Well, they had vans, military vans, and they went around and they collected guys that they found on the streets, and they gave them a choice. You can either fight for us or... You get a bullet in the head. Uh, so my dad made a very sensible choice, and he chose to live, but he had to fight with the Germans in the war. And uh, so what happened during the war is not really relevant to this, but at the end, he finished up in England, at the end of the war. And Consequently, he was kind of homeless. He met, he met my mum, but he was a homeless man in many, many ways. He couldn't go home to Poland because his family believed that he had betrayed them. You know, he'd fought with the German army. Maybe he'd even killed Polish people. Who knows? He, he wouldn't talk about the war. So his family regarded him as a traitor. So if he went back home, they would probably have killed him. So he had no home. Um, His friends in the Polish army who stayed here, they knew that he'd fought with the Germans. So you can imagine the relationship he might have with the Polish people who were here. Not very good. Um, And all in all, he decided that Polishness was a really bad thing for him. Um, so he chose to never ever speak Polish to us. That's why I don't speak Polish. Um, he got married to my mum fairly shortly after the war, fairly soon after the war. He was working uh, in a community I think it was in a coal mine in Yorkshire. And my mum came from Castleford, which was an extremely poor mining town. And my dad got to work as a coal miner then in a glass factory, just a very labouring job for not much money. So um, my mum was very intelligent too. And uh, because she got married to my dad, she didn't really want to marry my dad. She got pregnant and so 1940 something that was a really bad thing 
to get pregnant if you weren't married. So she had to get married. So almost from the beginning of their married relationship, she kind of felt bad about him. She felt that he was the reason that she had to get married and have a child. And her career, because she was an intelligent woman, her career came to an end. So you can imagine it didn't take very long in his married life to be hated by his wife. So here's a guy, he's got no home with his parents and his uncles in Poland. He has no home with his own people, Polish people, here after the war. And after the war, uh, Polish people were really not welcome in the UK. You know, Polish people were walking down the street, you know, uh, jobs were needed for the guys coming back from the war. And all these Polish people were here, stealing the jobs from our own boys. So, <laughs> Polish, you know. So, society wasn't really welcoming to him. His family at home in Poland, he wasn't welcome there. Polish people here in England, he wasn't welcome there. Even in his own home, his wife learned to hate him really quickly. And strangely enough, she taught me to hate. She taught, she taught all her children. She taught us all to hate him. And of course, I mean, what, what, where did he finish? Well, there were a few people like him who really didn't, who were truly homeless. And they would meet in the pub. So you can imagine where he felt his home was, in the pub. So my memory of my childhood was growing up as a young child, my father never there, always in the pub. My mother would always tell us that you know he drank all his money away and we were very, very, very poor, never had any toys, bicycles. Never, didn't have anything and she told us that it was his fault all his fault so very quickly we learned to hate my dad and I remember going to university and I kind of was an angry young man but I was proud of hating my dad for some reason that had become part of my identity I'm a person who hates his dad. That's me. That was me. Uh, so I was kind of proud of it. And when I became a Christian at university, in my first term of university, I've told you about that, I told you that last week, it didn't take long for one or two Christians around me to say, We've noticed you keep bragging, you keep being proud of hating your father. And yeah, so yeah. Well, they would tell me, well, actually in the Bible, one of the commandments is you should honor your father and your mother, so it will go well for you. Uh, and so, I was thinking, Honor my father and, uh, after all that he's done. And, and I, I, I just truly believe there was no good thing about him at all. I mean, I know all these things now about his past because I learned them later, but I didn't know them when I was a child. All I knew was that he was the bad guy and he was the reason we had no money. He was the reason we had no toys. He was the reason everybody looked down at us. He was the reason for all the arguments. He was the reason for, you know, the many separations they would have and then come together. And Anyway. So these Christians at university, they're kind of telling me, I don't think you should talk about your father like that. You know, because God doesn't really like it. It's not God's, it's not going to go well with you. You know, I kind of felt that they were saying, God's not going to love me as well. 
my own earthly father didn't love me, or so I thought. Uh, oh so I kind of argued about this and said, oh, I'm not having that. No. Uh, well, anyway, so I got, I got very worked up about that. And so people learned, the Christians at university, learned, they learned to not to talk to me about that because it was kind of awkward. And uh, Anyway, so I'm still talking about the socks on my son's floor. <laughs> really? Uh, so time went by, and eventually I, I buried that stuff about my dad. And uh, I became a sort of second-level leader within the church. We, me and my wife, we, were act- we actually became the youth leaders. I know you can't imagine that because I'm called it old gits now, but sorry, I should have sworn again on the, on the tape. Uh, but... Um, yeah, we were. And I remember uh, we were li- I, w- I was leading a prayer meeting just of the youth leadership team uh, at a friend's house, a lovely friend called Jackie. don't know if you've met Jackie Price. Do you know Jackie? Uh, anyway, never mind. Um, and she's a wise lady. So we started the meeting... And I, I, I kind of didn't feel right in my heart. I just knew I, something was wrong, but I didn't know what it was. Uh, and uh, we started praying, and Jackie clearly had picked up in her spirit. She picked up that Irvin's not really right here. So she said to me, come on, let's stop. Can we just stop? And we, I went, well, I was supposed to be leading this meeting, so I thought, oh, okay. What do you want to say? She said, Irvin, we need to pray about you. (laughs) What? (laughs) This is really bold. She says, we need to pray about you, Irvin. Something's not right. And uh, I thought, how does she know that? Well, you can tell, can't you? You can tell when somebody's not right. And she clearly picked something up. She says, "We we just need to pray about you. And she was very bold and she was brave. And so she stopped the meeting and said, I want to pray for you. So she's, we, I said, okay, because I kind of knew that there was something going on. And I said that. I said, yeah, I don't kind of feel really right, but I'm not sure what's going on. So she says, let's just ask. And as soon as we started to pray, I kind of get a picture of my dad straight away. And... I'd, I'd begun to learn about some of his past, my father's past in the war and all of that. And suddenly, I'm getting downloaded with all sorts of understanding about why he was like he was. And, and, uh, and in fact, I'd got the whole thing completely wrong. That, you know, he was, he was a really suffering guy and uh, he'd been rejected completely everywhere. And I realized that in fact, lots of the stories my mother had told me about him. So I'm having all this, all this is happening to me in this prayer meeting. And I'm suddenly getting understanding that all the stories she told me about my dad and teaching me to hate my dad, she was only speaking from how hurt she was. You know, she'd, you know, she'd had her career destroyed and and in fact it, it probably was her bitterness really that had poisoned most of our family life and so God's and God showed me many other things lots and lots of pictures and I remember having such an overwhelming sense of revelation about oh my gosh I've got my dad all wrong uh and, and I suddenly knew, I really knew I had to forgive him. You know, I was, I was getting on. I was about 28 years old by this stage, you know. And you'd think, you know, 28, 30 years old. And I suddenly realized I absolutely had to forgive my dad. And as I started to forgive him, I kind of started crying and I couldn't stop. And I'm wailing and I'm screaming and I'm blessing him 
forgiving him. And he just went on and on. And you know, and you've seen people cry, haven't when people really cry, there's loads of snot and tears. Well, I remember all I remember at the end of the day, uh, after about two hours on her carpet, thinking she's gonna have to buy a new carpet. <laughs> that was this massive big wet patch, huge, full of my snot and my tears and everything. I was just wrecked. And at the end of that, I really believe I was a changed man. Because I, I was suddenly filled with love for my dad. And I'd never experienced that before, ever. There's an interesting story attached to this, because uh, one year before, I used to go visit my dad occasionally. Uh, and him and my mother, they had separated. Okay, they divorced. Uh, she did, she'd become a Christian, but my father, he still kept talking about her in a really bad way because he couldn't forgive her for what she'd done. And he kept talking about killing her. I know, I, know, I knew he wouldn't, you know, but every, every time I went to see him, he did say something about her. And he said, next time I see her, I'm, I'm going to kill her. And I thought, this had happened one year before this episode on the floor in Jackie's room. And I, I remember saying to him, I said, Dad, I have to say something. I said, this woman that you're talking about, she's my mum. And you, you can't keep talking to me about my mum that way. And he was saying, I'll talk her about her whichever way I want. And I said, well, no, you can't. I said, because if you keep talking to me about her like that, if in fact you say one more thing like that to me, I don't want you to speak to me. So I said, unless you can speak to me without insulting or criticizing her, I said, you just better not speak to me at all. So he said, okay, leave. And I left. And we didn't speak for a whole year. So, and he wouldn't let me speak to him. I tried to ring him up once about a birthday present. He just wouldn't have anything to do with me. So, I can speak about my mum and dad now just for, just for the record. Because my relationship with them was wonderful. Both of them was wonderful at the end before they died. And I absolutely know that they're in heaven. So, uh, and... And I'm sure they'd be happy to, put, want to use their stories to illustrate things. Um, but these are, this is a real story for me. And you know, like I say, he'd refused to speak to me for one whole year. So I had this evening on the floor when God's just downloading all this understanding and forgiveness. It wasn't just understanding, it was understanding and forgiving. I absolutely forgave him and loved him. And I kind of baptized him with a carpet full of snots and tears and <laughs> all of that sort of stuff. Half past seven the following morning, the phone, my phone rang. I picked the phone because I was going off to work. I was going to work fairly early. Just before I was about to go to work, the phone rang. And I picked the phone up and it says, Irvin? And I said, yeah. He says, you see dad? Can we talk? Oh, I'm gonna fill up just thinking about it. That was after a whole year of no speaking, and that very, you know, it was it was close to midnight when we finished praying. Uh, it was late evening anyway, and half past seven the following morning when he woke up, he phoned me up and said we need to talk, and from that day onwards. Our relationship was really close. We talked about lots of things. And, and it, it was just, I'm just leaving that with you as a story of the power of forgiveness. Um, just forgiving him uh, kind of broke the barriers between us. It was a, tr it's a real miracle. And uh, from that day on, we talked about lots of things. He started to get to know my boys, and he, eventually he really loved my boys. 
we didn't have my boys at that stage, but eventually he did. Um, when we got our boys, um, so that's after the university story, where I was bragging about hating my dad, and. I lived my whole life until the age of 30 or so, or more older really, I think it might be 34, struggling in my relationship with God, because I had a really, really seriously bad relationship with my own father. And the truth is, our past makes it hard to accept for many of us. I mean, some of you guys, your relationships with it, you know, dads are going to be okay. Um, but even with the best one in the world, all of us, even though, even if we've got good dads, you know, we have dads who go to work to earn money to look after us, you know, and they're often away till late, you know. And our mums generally bring us up, don't they, often. And our dads get in late, getting home from work late, just before we go to bed. And deep in our hearts, our understanding of fathers is often damaged. You've heard this before, haven't you? You, you, you did the father heart week, so in a sense, this is a kind of an add-on to the father heart teaching, I suppose. This one, but the general, the general story, is that injuries in our life and hurts in our life and pains in our life makes us dysfunctional and it makes us dysfunctional because when we don't have a very very healthy view of what a father is it's impossible to have a healthy view of God our father when we have a very when we don't have a healthy view of of, of, of significant people in our lives Jesus calls us our brother but you know if you have relationships with our brothers and our sisters which are not particularly healthy then we're going to have a, a, a wonky view of what it is like to have a perfect brother in Jesus our past makes it hard to accept our relationships with God himself that's just true um and if you're struggling with seeing God as your father, your mother, your brother, it's interesting, isn't it? Uh, you know, the, the images that God uses to, to express himself in the Bible, most of them are family-related, aren't they? The bride of Christ, the wife of Christ, right? You've got to see yourself as a, a, a bride it's difficult for us guys maybe sometimes <laughs> uh, but he calls us he calls himself our father Jesus calls himself our brother Jesus at one point described himself as a mother hen wanting to gather the chicks under the wings so all of these family terms it's kind of crazy God chooses to relate to us in family terms and there's no doubt whatsoever that the difficulties we've had in life, and this was true for me, absolutely true, meant that I saw God as a hard guy, a taskmaster. I grew up believing that if I didn't work hard to be a good Christian, then God doesn't, God doesn't, God wasn't going to really love me well. And I, if I if I did things wrong, I was going to get beaten. You know, that's what would happen at home, get, get uh, punished for doing things wrong, and therefore I had to get everything totally right as a Christian with God, because God was like my parents. So it's not just hard to accept God as a father and mother, but it's very difficult to actually see ourselves as sons. What is a real son? And... Uh, Here's another story. I went to an inner healing conference at some point in my life. I can't remember exactly where it came. It was called Head to Heart. And it was looking at the same sort of similar issues that we deal with in Sozo. 
you know, the beliefs that are in our hearts and how those beliefs in our hearts, they change the way that we see God and the way that we do life. Um, and they did an exercise and they said, okay, we're going to give you a list of words. I could, I could have done it. I could have brought it. Uh, because I do this sometimes with the Our Destiny students. And you write all, a, a list of the names that God calls himself. You know, uh, Father, Healer, Prince of Peace, uh, you know, Conqueror, Lover, you know, lots and lo lots of things. The Life, the Way, the Truth, you know. I don't know how many names there are that God gives himself in scripture, but there's a lot. And they said, take all these bits of paper, and I want you to make three columns. In the first column, the things you know that you know are really true. Deep in your heart, you know this is true. That's the first column. Put those words of God in there. In the second column... Yeah, you know it in your head, but not too sure if you've got it in your heart. In the third column, call it Life on Mars. They say, it, 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 you know, it, you, it, it may as well be on the planet Mars for all the importance it is to you. You know, it, it just doesn't mean anything to you. And there was one thing I had in my hand, and... It was really difficult because I thought, I can't actually feel this one at all. I don't actually know what this one means. And it was the life. It's kind of weird. I'm just sitting there in the middle of this thing saying, Holy Spirit, do I know what, do I feel, do I feel really alive? Do I, do I know what real life is? I thought, it means nothing. It's kind of really strange. So they said, those ones, put in, if you get any of those, put them in your pocket and just keep looking at them through the day and ask God to show you what he wants to say to you. So I put this word life in my pocket. And uh, shortly after that, this was very shortly after the socks episode now, okay? This was very shortly after, I think it was the week after, you know, I had this episode with Andrew in his bedrooms and his socks and I was having a meltdown. So then the next week I go to this conference, this retreat, it's a few days away. And I put this word life in my pocket. And I remember walking outside into the grounds of this big house, thinking, oh God, you gotta speak to me about this. And they had these big woods, they had the, well, they had this little trees area. And there was a beautiful lawn with sunshine in the middle of it and the sun was shining through the trees onto this lawn. I thought, that looks really nice. I'll try to get there. But I tried to, the way I tried to go, it was all full of thorns and brambles. You know thorns and brambles? Uh, and with lots of spikes on them. And I was trying to get them, and it kept pulling at my trousers, and, and I kept trying to pull them off, and I get thorns in my fingers, and, and I finished up swearing. I won't say what I said. <laughs> and I'm standing there, and suddenly I felt God's presence. And I really knew that he was there. I kind of felt him saying, I want to speak to you now. Right, in the middle of the thorns, in the middle of these things. I was trying to get somewhere really nice. It looked really beautiful, really clean, open grass with sunshine. Oh, it looked beautiful. I thought, I need to go there to, to have a think, to listen to God. But he stopped me in these brambles. He said, I want to speak to you now. <laughs> Okay. And I heard him say these words very, very clearly. He said these words. He said, life is messy, and I like it that way. I like it that way. Life is messy, and I like it that way. And <laughs> I just stopped, and I'm thinking, what? I've never heard God say this before. I didn't even know that's what God thought before I didn't even know if it was true I wasn't even sure I, well I was sure it was God speaking but I couldn't believe it was God speaking life is messy and I like it that way so I 
I did all I could do at that point. I said, well, God, I'm really sorry because I don't like mess. So he likes messy life, but I don't. So I think, oh. So I have to apologize. And I said, I'm sorry, but you're going to have to speak to me more. Well, he did. Because that afternoon, we did a Bible study. And I'm sure you've done Bible study on the prodigal son, haven't you? You, remember, you know that story very well. Yeah? Yeah. But I just, want to, I just want to point out one aspect of that story. The, so I'm asking God to speak to me. And he's saying, I like messy life. It's okay. Messy life is okay. I like it. Um, so later on that day, one of the teachers, they start talking about the prodigal son. And whilst he's teaching about the prodigal son, I'm God speaking to me about this, the prodigal son at the same time. Yeah, yeah, have you had that experience? Somebody's talking about something, and they're talking about and the voice and all you hear is but God speaking to you as well at the same time, and you're listening. Well, I have that. That often happens to me. Maybe it looks like I'm falling asleep, but. <laughs> sometimes I'm sure I am but sometimes I'm actually really listening to what God's saying as well and he just started talking to me about this prodigal son thing and you know the story the son he's, he, he's, he behaves very very badly towards his father says I, you know, I wish you were dead really because I'd, like I'd like my inheritance and he goes away and he makes a mess of things he makes a total mess of things. He spends his life in money on prostitutes, drink, drugs if they had them, I guess. Uh, anyway, a way of life which just got rid of the money. And he was suddenly poor, wishing he could even eat pig food. And he says, I've got no choice. I'm going to have to go back to my father. But he didn't want to go back. He didn't really want to be. He just knew he had no choice. So he says, I know. I know the way to do this. I'll go ask my father if I can go work for him as a servant. And then he can pay me money. Because I'm not good enough to be his son. I'm not good enough to be his son. So I'll go back to my father and I'll work for him for money. And then that's okay. I can earn my way back into the house. So he goes home, and as he's close, getting close to home, the father runs to him. So the father's looking and waiting. And he starts to say to him, he's a bit hot. So the son starts saying what he's prepared in his mind. He says, I'm going to go back and say, let me be a servant. So he starts to come back to his father and he says, Father, let me come back as a servant. And the father just stops. He says, quick. He says to his own servants, he says, quick, get a robe, get a ring, get the shoes. We're going to go have a party. He doesn't let his son finish. So his son is trying to say, let me be a servant. And his father said, stop. <laughs> you are not being a servant in my house. I am not having you in my house as a servant. That is what you are not. And he went home took him in his house not as a servant he, 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 his father refused to have him as a servant he took him in his house as a son he'd always been his son he'd always forgiven him he'd always loved him and he came back into his house as a son and I found myself thinking what was the party like what was the party like 
Well, there would have been servants there, wouldn't there? And there probably were friends. The father's friends, maybe the son's friends, I don't know. He would, they, had a, they, had a, they had a party. And you know what parties are like, what the parties get like. Messy. Parties are messy. So the father said, no, you are not a servant. Come and have a mess. Come and have a party. Come and have fun. It's going to be messy, but that's okay. There are servants around who are going to clean the mess up, but not you. So I, I, I just found myself thinking, well, what do sons do? Sons have fun, in a party at least. I mean, sons do lots of things. But you can imagine the prodigal son in that party. You can guess he was having fun. Eating, drinking, having fun, making a mess. Who are the people who cleared up the mess? You can join in now. The servants were the, yeah. The servants were the one who cleared up the mess. And God said, absolutely no. You are not one of them. You're a son. It's okay for you to make the mess. You, I'm really happy for you to come and make mess. There are other, there are other people here, there are servants who are not my sons, who are here to clear up the mess. So, I mean, you can't make too many. You, can, you can't try and say, well, this, this person was this and this person was Who were the servants? You, you know, that's not the point of this. The point of this is the father loved his son so much and said, who are you? Are you a son or are you a servant? And the, the question was, he clearly answered that question. You are not a servant, you're a son. Okay, you can look theologically at the passages where it says the son of God came to serve. Okay, if, but who, who was he first? He wasn't a servant. He was a son. And because he loved, he chose to serve. That's quite different from saying, ah, what you are is a servant. And you've got to earn your way. That's not who you are. Who you are is a son. And if you choose, you can serve if you want. And I've got no doubt that because the Father's heart lives in us, it's kind of what we want to do because he's a God who comes and serves us. So we're not talking about whether you should do serving. That's not this discussion. The discussion is who you are. Are you a servant or are you a son? What's driving you? And he and God just really, whoa, bang, that kind of hit me, you know. It's okay to serve, but not because I'm a servant. Uh, so he so where am I going what I'm saying is you know this whole process was all about restoring my, the truth in my heart of who I am not a servant I'm a son God is my father he loves me and I'm his son and it's okay it really is okay to make mess so that's coming. So there we are. I'll finish the story now. Back to the socks. <laughs> that's part of the process that God was taking me through. We're all being taken through different processes, aren't we? We've all got issues. But we're here, and you guys are here in this school. Say, Father God, I want to learn more about my relationship with you. I want to know how this relationship works. Well, here's one of the ways it works. It work, one of the ways it works is by taking, by, by learning that many of the identities we f you feel you have, they're not true identities, they're lies. And, and just over and over again, we're just gonna keep saying it over and over again because it all, it all comes down to this. When you begin to really know who your father is, then you begin to really, really know who you are. You're, not, you're, you're the son of your dad. 
you have the same genes inside, the same chromosomes, the same makeup, the same privileges, the same powers, the same. So what, what, what is his, he gives to us. And, and as Christians, we're on this walk, step by step, to actually beginning to believe it. Beginning to believe that what is God's is actually ours. Because He is our Father and we're His kids. And that's been, I guess, well, anyway, that's where I'm going to leave the talk. So, there we are. I got a bit of the Bible in it, didn't I? The prodigal son. <laughs> wasn't just guffing on about my own experience. The truth is God uses all of our experience if we if we'll allow him to to teach us who we are. You know, life life's had a go at bashing us, hasn't it? And the devil is very happy to get involved in there dropping his lies. He's the father of life. The devil is very happy to use life to drop his lies about who we are in here. So this process is learning what the truth is, not just the facts. You know, there are lots of facts. You know, our fathers maybe didn't care about us too much. Our fathers, our mothers, maybe did discipline us too much. Our brothers or our sisters, maybe they did get preference over us. You know, those are the facts. But the truth is quite different. Facts is not truth. That's another very important little message, but that's another sermon facts are not the truth <laughs> the truth is you're sons of God and it's okay for you to be messy and make a mess and it's even okay for you to fail okay just finished I just finished the last word Rebecca as you walked in here's Rebecca walking into the room okay turn off thank you for listening to the Destiny podcast for further information, check out www.idestiny.org.uk.